Welcome to a bonus episode of Wise About Texas, your award-winning Texas podcast. I'm Ken Wise, your host of Wise About Texas, and thank you very much for tuning in to this very special episode of Writing Texas History, where I interview Brian Kilmeade, the well-known host of Fox and Friends on the Fox News Network, as well as the Brian Kilmeade Show on the radio. But what you may not know about Mr. Kilmeade is he loves history. And I had the opportunity, he has written, his most recent book is called Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. So uh, here's someone of uh, national prominence who is a passionate historian, uh, but did not grow up in Texas writing about Texas history. So I could not pass up the opportunity to find out what that's all about and why the story of Sam Houston and Texas independence appealed so much to someone from outside Texas. During the interview, you're going to hear uh, Mr. Kilmeade talk about his passion for history uh, and his passion for Texas and, and the spirit of Texas and how he feels like uh, that the rest of the country can learn something from that. You'll also hear uh, Mr. Kilmeade discuss some of his favorite historical stories and how important he feels it is to do his part to communicate history to the country through his books, and of course, that's one of the reasons I've mentioned several times on this show that I'm doing this podcast, because if we don't study history, uh, we're going to lose it. So I hope you enjoy uh, this interview with Brian Kilmeade. Uh, keep in mind, this interview was conducted over the phone, so the audio uh, will sound a little different, um, but uh, thanks again for tuning in to this bonus episode of Writing Texas History, an interview with Brian Kilmeade. Brian, thanks for sitting down with Wise About Texas today, and welcome to the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me on, especially in Texas. I'll be heading down there uh, a lot of in November and December, so and had a chance to, to travel all around doing the, the special for the for Fox. On, it's going to be November 17th, and then I did or something for Fox Nation just on the Alamo. So to be able to finally talk about the book after two and a half years uh, with people who understand how special this history is, is an honor. Well, that's great. We'll look forward to welcoming you down here. You mentioned uh, Fox, and most of the listeners of this show will probably recognize you from Fox and Friends, but you also do radio after you get off television. That's a lot of talking every day. How do you manage that? It's fun, and you know, it's a lot of studying, but I love it. And when I have free time, I've always read, read history in the past. And I was, that was my escape, idea of an escape. Uh, it also gives me context when things go wrong. I think to myself, well, this is an overreactor. reminds me of this period or this country's history. gives me an idea why they're acting this way. But when I was having a chance to really dive into these different stories in our past, um, I just loved every second of it. And to be able to talk about it on the radio, whether it's building it up or making it part of the show, to me, it's fun. I'd be the annoying guy at the water cooler at the deli if I wasn't doing this for a living. Well, <laughs> that's kind of why I started the podcast. Everybody was sick and tired of telling me to shut up. <laughs> but uh, where did that interest in history come from? You know, uh, there's different things. I, I thought about that all the time is that, you know, some people I talk to, they play golf once and they, they don't they don't stop. You know, they become, whether they love to gamble, you know, they, they have a passion for gambling and being part of it. Passion for sports, you and I can relate to that. You know, right. we, we 
I get it. Where does it come from? I don't know. Maybe your dad took you to a game. I just remember sitting in history, and so which we call social studies, and loving it. And I'm just saying to myself, I don't know. I got lucked out with some great T-shirts. And on my first show I ever saw, and no one's ever asked me that before, but the first show I saw that gave me my passion, and it's a show probably your listeners have uh, never saw seen before, but it was Mike Wallace on Biography. And when he would look at Eleanor Roosevelt or Thomas Edison or people in the past, uh, Adam Smith, and I go, I, I couldn't believe how interesting this was, as opposed to one-pagers. You go deep into people and incidents. Couldn't get enough of it. And we had Sagamore Hill near us, where Teddy Roosevelt's from, and that really comes to life. And then when I found out about George Washington's spies, and he had this hidden spy ring, and they lived and died without any fame and acclaim, that fueled it even more, and I ended up, that ended up being my first history book. And you've written several history books. What are you up to now, six or seven? Well, it was six overall, uh, two were sports-related, and four, this is my fourth on history. It was George Washington's Secret Six, Aspiring to Save the American Revolution. And then it was Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates. It was Thomas Jefferson's first war on terror and America's first war on terror and how he dealt with Islamic extremism back then. And then Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, because with the War of 1812, I've always been fascinated with how close we came to total obliteration, having Washington burn, not having a standing army, the north part of the country not wanting to fight the war, and this 13-year-old uh, orphan who emerged he should have been a vagrant or a criminal, but ended up being this great major general, attorney general, senator, and two-term president, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> I thought I wanted to tell that story, how he became famous, Battle of New Orleans. And then this, when I have Sam Houston fighting, and that's how I open up the book. He's fighting uh, with under Andrew Jackson against the Creek Warriors, and they need a total victory. He takes three shots, one, as you know, uh, right by his groin, right from his pelvis, Another and two in the upper, one in the arm and one in the shoulder, and one or two would never really fully heal the rest of his life. When you see the valor and courage he shown then, and the lessons he learned in 1814, and how it shaped who he became later, I thought I could really pick up this story where I left off with Andrew Jackson. Well, and you did a great job. Uh, I've read it. Uh, you're a great storyteller. Thank and you. Is, and is that really, you've just described a series of stories that caught your eye, which you turned into book. Is that really what you love about history, the stories, pulling the stories out of the facts? I do, and I do. And I, I'm under the belief that even though we give attention to our founding fathers and the fantastic generals from Eisenhower to Washington, and you pick up the book because you might recognize Sam Houston, although that's the biggest stretch, but you know Houston, and you see Jackson and Jefferson, you go, this is worth my time. I believe America's made up of those so-called average, everyday people doing extraordinary things who never get or seek the fame and acclaim. And if you talk to these great people, they will tell you. You know, you, you're attracted to Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and, and William Barrett Travis. I get it. But they will tell you the people to the left and right uh, who have fought by their side, who don't get the acclaim, they're just as big a heroes. And, and America is fueled by... Things like George Washington's Secret Six, when a farmer, a shopkeeper, a socialite, a, a printer who was really a journalist, um, and a, a longshoreman teamed together for not even a country, the cause of a country, the idea of a country. Washington knew it. Washington knew it wasn't just about him and his, and his uh, aide-de-camp, Alexander Hamilton. He knew it was those faceless, uh, nameless farmers fighting with great valor against the standing British Army. Uh, he, 
these are the people that made our country great. And if I could put the spotlight on them, and I don't, I also know I don't have the ability of David McCullough or John Meacham to take a famous person and bring new nuances to their background. I can't redo Grant. I don't read Ron Chernow's Grant and think I can do better. Right. I know I can't. But if I could bring up something around Grant, then maybe I'm I'm filling a, a fulfilling a service. Well, we certainly uh, need that uh, more and more every day. It seems to me as I watch current events. What talk a little more about why you picked Sam Houston? We talked about his 1812 service. Uh, what was it about him that attracted you as a writer and historian? Well, you, well, you know this. When I'm going to Goliad and I'm going to San Jacinto and I'm going to the Alamo, when I'm going to the the land commissioner uh, George P. Bush, it's amazing. It's like sports teams. Uh, Brian, I think you're too nice for Sam Houston. Uh, Jim Fannin, I don't think you're cutting him a break. You know, keep in mind he had no choice. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, the guy that does it, Jim Bowie's really a great guy. Don't focus on Okay, William Barrett Travis, yeah, he was a great writer, but, man, he was just a lawyer, and he was in the right place at the right time. Jim Bowie could have been running the Alamo. He was a better leader. I'm like, wow, guys. <laughs> so what I try to do is I try to hit it with footnotes and quotes, and I do make some choices. Um, and Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, because I want people to know it didn't end with that horrific defeat, even though it uh, was a catastrophic defeat, but it sent a message, we're going to fight to the death, and you're going to have to kill us all to win. And I get it why it lives in infamy. But Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, I like a man that grows through the process. And when you are a, a kid that loses his dad at a young age and moves with his mom to the Midwest, and they find a way with a farm to... And then they buy a shop. And the one thing pretty consistent is Sam Houston, the kid, is a bad farmer and not a good clerk. <laughs> and all he wants to do is sit and read. He doesn't go to school. And then when he goes and lives with the American Indians, he learns about their way of life. And when he wants to go make money, he goes to make money. And then when he wants adventure, he joins the military. So he becomes a guy that drinks too much and gets involved in scandal. We wouldn't consider a scandal today and has to leave the governorship. He's a guy with great courage, but he has to learn later that courage has to be calculated. And I love the growth part of it because no one's teaching him. He's learning for the school of hard knocks. He's learning in practical, you know, in practical terms yeah, what it's going to take to make it in this world. And he wasn't successful like Lincoln in everything he did. So I go, let me give this guy some credit. I'm in awe of him. He ends up stop drinking. He has been a great relationship, becomes religious, and has nine kids. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> I love to tell this because I can relate. I think most people listening right now can relate to an imperfect person that wants to be better. That's that's for sure. He uh, he was a huge personality, and you know, shaped Texas politics. The book um, ends really with a kind of a synopsis of post San Jacinto Texas. But the political parties in Texas right after the battle were Houston and anti Houston, and until his death, really he defined that. Does that sound uh, familiar today to you? Yes. But by the way, I went to the Alamo, and I'm not going to give you his name, but he told me, he was the guy who told me, you're too nice to Sam Houston. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I think I might know who it was. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I did, what I did is I did hand the book to two or three historians, and I just go, listen, do you have a problem with this? Because I have so much respect for the history and your history. You live it. I can't tell you anything about Texas history. What I would like to do is try to dominate an area. I took two and a half years and try to tell the story accurately. And if you want to know more, man, there's a lot more. It, it, it could be 800 pages, but I didn't want it to be. 
So what what I find with Sam Houston is the same thing. What I also found admirable is he definitely had some force, some Nostradamus in him, and the way he knew how how fragile our democracy was and our country was, and the way he anticipated the division that was coming and feared it, the way he uh, decided he told. Uh, Texas, if you're going to go in the Confederacy and fight this war, it's going to be without me. And they said, okay, fine, it's going to be without you. And the point is, the word got out that he didn't want to fight in the war, and Lincoln reached out to him and said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll protect you if you can stay out of it. We really need you to stay out of it. And he couldn't because he cared about the Union first. So did Jackson. He showed it in South Carolina. You know, so I, I love this. I love the, the texture to our history. Instead of we had a civil war, well, what happened around it and in it? Right. These were people who made decisions, very tough decisions. And, you know, and I was able to cut to the brain and say something I know you know. He gets shot and almost killed, and he learns cards got to be calculated. When he goes to uh, heal and goes back home and builds his way up, they end up being stationed in Washington. He looks around, and he sees nothing but rubble. And he said, wow, this, this state, this capital was burnt to the ground. The White House destroyed. How close did we come to total annihilation? And the Hartford Convention, when the northern states got together and decided they were going to secede because they were so unhappy with the War of 1812, he knew how fragile our country was and would do anything to keep it together. And that shaped who he was. He was the right man at the right time to, read the right, to lead the right group of people against the Napoleon of the West, Santa Ana. <laughs> well, tell me more about what you learned. You're not from Texas, we know, but uh, tell tell us more about what you learned about Texas while you were working on the Sam Houston. Well, you know, in studying this, I realized this. I got so lucky in 1996 when I was asked to fill in on Fox News, and I was doing all sports back then, and I had a passion for news and news background, but I was doing sports at an all-sports station, uh, TV station, and doing all-sports radio, and they asked me to start filling in. And I love the place. And then when things got serious, Princess Diana dies, the, uh, the Bosnia War, uh, the 2000 election, the, the 9-11 attacks, the Iraq War, no more sports, just do news. And I got to meet our audience as I write books because our audience is not in New York City. They would wish we weren't. They want us to leave. Our <laughs> audience is, is Texas. It's Indiana. It's Nebraska. It's North Carolina. It's South Carolina. It's most of Florida. And as I got a chance to meet them, I wanted to learn more about them, their history. And when I meet people in Texas, see their passion and pride, I was intimidated to do something like this. I said, man, these people have Texas history in their curriculum in grade school. What could I do? <laughs> so Twice, I said, two years. <laughs> right. And I said, what if I could tell their story to the whole country? But I won't come at it and pretend as if I'm educating Texans. I'm going to help tell this story. And the reason why I think I understand Texans is because They've been watching my show for three years and listening to it for three hours, for nine, and they know who I am, and they think I'm okay because they seem to watch and listen. And I look, I feel more uh, in communication with you than I do from the people I grew up with in New York City, although Long Island uh, tends to be very patriotic. Not all of it. It doesn't matter. They get drowned out by New York City and all their national votes and their presidential elections. So I feel if I tell your story and give people an additional reason to have pride in Texas, I would think we could pull, all be pulling in the right direction. Well, give us a give the listeners a sense of what what does someone from New York, your generic New Yorker, think when they hear Texas or the Alamo or Sam Houston? What do they know and what do they think, in your opinion? 
Well, I mean, we learn it quickly. You know, we don't spend a lot of time in, you know, the grade school, grammar school, junior high school on it. But we learn it. But it's always the Alamo. I mean, San Jacinto, right. Ken Burns had to tell me about San Jacinto. And he said to me, no one talks about it. Because people in Texas know about it. Nobody else knows about it. 18 minutes it took to win this. And then I met Stephen Moore, who wrote that great book. Oh, yeah, it. he did a great Bruce job. Winders, who helped me out. And all these people that, that helped me, uh, Douglas Brinkley. So um, I did not know about it. But when I went and saw it, and I did the features on television for, for it, and met the experts, and I saw how packed the Alamo is. I mean, what strikes me is uh, this absolute victory for Santa Ana ends up being an absolute loss. Uh, he overplayed his hand. He goes for total annihilation. And the courage and conviction and pride that Texans have is not the win or lose, but what you did to win and what you sacrificed uh, for freedom. And that's where the pride comes from. And you meet a Marcus Luttrell and you, and you get to know a Governor Perry. And I was lucky enough to to meet George Bush and George Bush, you know, he may have roots in the Northeast, but man, this guy grew up in Texas and you see that swagger, but not a cockiness, a pride and the patriotism strikes me. 2019, if I want to find someone who understands bleeding red, white, and blue, I go to most cities outside Austin. uh, (laughs) uh, And I, and I feel it just this pride. And then you don't have to hand me anything. You don't have to make me famous. You know, I don't need a reality show. I know who I am, and, and when it's time to fight, we're the ones who volunteer. So that, that I really feel those are the Fox viewers. You know, people think we're conservative and or we don't like Democrats. No, no, we just don't dislike the country. We don't get up every day and thinking, what did the country do wrong? We, we, think, about, uh, uh, we think about what we do right on a daily basis and how our mistakes, we go out of our way to try to correct. And I think that's laudable. And it's, it's not explainable. Um, and we're our hardest critic. And we're seeing a lot of that now. So I think in the past, we, we fight in front of our, 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 our strangers, which our parents told us not to do. And they think on the outside, we're coming apart. But that's just the way we do things. When we have to, we come together. And I still believe we have that. But I believe Texas never lost that. Well, that's certainly the spirit in Texas. We've most recently seen it, and uh, we had a hurricane a couple of years ago, and it was it was striking to me as a as a native of Texas and a native of Houston that um, you know a lot of the national media uh, was just stunned that people of different backgrounds, colors, races, religions, et cetera, would just come out and help each other. But to us, I mean, that's just Tuesday. So well, uh, no, no, I think that's a great point, and. I, I wish I brought I thought of that example, and if you don't mind, I'm going to steal it from my other interview. Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I saw the boats line up and the trucks line up as Houston was flooded, because um, my brother works for ServPro, and they told all the franchises to report there, and that's what he talked back to me, because you wouldn't believe these people. They don't want any help. Right. You know, you show up and help, and they say, grab, you know, you know, grab a host, uh, <laughs> but they don't say, okay, I'm glad you're here. Now you do it. So he was amazed by that. You know, we both grew up on Long Island, and... And I think that's uh, part of the reason why you guys recovered so quick. You don't say, you know, uh, global warming caused this, and we're, why did we build Houston so low, uh, you know, and why didn't we restructure the streets when we had to 50 years ago? That's all true, but how's that going to help me now? Right. And that's that practical feeling. I actually wrote a column uh, without talking about the flooding, but about the attitude of 1836 and 1821 and 1824 and how they – want an opportunity to be successful. Um, uh, how they, 
um, how they wanted an opportunity to be successful, you want to know guarantees and how uh, how you uh, went down there. You didn't ask for a rake and a gun, but that's really all you needed. Well, you and, know, and and that's how you survived. There was no supermarket or Home Depot to help you build your uh, to build your land or your empire, and you didn't ask for any guarantees for it. And it wasn't all a straight line to success, but you had to shoot your food or grow it. Right, exactly. And what do we do? You know, one of the reasons I do this podcast is for that reason, to communicate that and remind everyone that that's where we come from. And that's, you know, that's what built whatever you love into what it is. Right. And, and the same reason you're doing these books and this, this book about Sam Houston, what, what else do we need to be doing to communicate that to people? Well, I, I, you know, it's got to start in the home. And this whole thing of blaming people when things go wrong, and I don't get the job, I want a career I want, I need a mental health day, or I need a safe space. Right. We're not tougher. We were never exposed to that. I don't know if it would have affected who we became if we were exposed to that. If we were in fourth and fifth grade and we were told life is stressful and rich people had to have cheated to get where they are and, you know... uh, there, it really is not fair that everyone doesn't have the same health care. It's not fair that we all can't afford the same colleges. It's not fair that um, uh, that you have a better school than you had a better high school than me. And uh, it's not right if you can afford a private school. I mean, the whole blame culture, I don't get. And the thing is, we don't deserve credit for not feeling that way. We should be thankful we weren't brought up that way. So right. my sense is, and I'm, I'm guilty of everyone. Everyone has a natural proclivity to blame why me okay why did i lose my job i get it why didn't i get that house i understand it you know why did in 2008 did i keep did my financial planner put my stuff in the wrong spot be mad for a day and then tell me what you're doing to fix it you can't blame you can't say wow automation took my job yes be upset try to pick it out ahead of time and understand where you can go from here read and research and find out where where the next great opportunity is don't turn around to the government and say, train me to do something else. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be angry. You're going to be protesting when certain people don't win elections and coloring your hair and trying to uh, <laughs> buy pot uh, and getting in another nose ring and figuring out how to afford it. Or uh, I just don't understand that mentality. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Is that um, For me personally, I'll just tell you that my dad died in ninth grade. My mom hadn't worked in 10 years. She had to go back and get a job. She had to figure out a way how to make the back room an apartment. Uh, then she realized she couldn't make enough money until she got into the city. So then she had to get a job in the city. And then we had to handle paying for our own sports stuff. And then we had to apply for our own colleges. And that was, we didn't think twice about it. I don't deserve respect for that. But I didn't expect anything different. Ronald Reagan was the one who turned around and says, you can't have Social Security past 18 when you lose a, a uh, parent. It used to be up until you graduated college. So we lost $300 a month per child. And we said, I don't hate Ronald Reagan. He figured he had to do that to balance out Social Security. Now, where are we going to make up the $450 a month? And we don't deserve credit for that. That's just the way we were brought up. To deal with the circumstances you're given, don't blame. And that's what Texas teaches you. That's what I hope this story teaches you. Well, I think it certainly does. I was about to say before you said it, you sound like a Texan to me, so come on down anytime. Oh, and, I'd love uh, to. You, uh, now, one more thing. I want to, you. The title of the book is Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. 
and it's a, it's sort of a theme of revenge uh, at times in the book. Why why did you pick that? How do you how did you feel about that? Well, I said avenge because not revenge. And I want avenge. They got it back. You know, you wiped us out at Goliad. You killed four hundred people, and you and you uh, and you lied to do it. And then you then you went for complete, uh, utter, humiliating victory in the Alamo. And you had to so-called, for lack of a better term, keep your powder dry to fight at the right time at the right place. And the runaway scrape, I think, says more. In life, sometimes you have to take it on in order to win eventually. You can't win every battle. The Astros had to strip it down and build up pitching and build up their farm system. And now they're built to win for a long period of time. But they had to tell their fans, we're going to lose for a few years. Yeah. And that's what had to happen. In a short period of time, Houston had to go backwards in order to go forwards in order to get an absolute victory. And here's what I say by avenge. If he wanted revenge, he would have hung Santa Ana. Right. And this never would have looked the same. Instead, he was cool and calculated under pressure. He kept his composure, got him to sign over the state, and call off the reinforcements. And if he was not cool and calculated and understood the objective, he would have went from short-term revenge. Instead, he avenged. And that's why I think it's, uh, people understand this reads like a novel because that's the way Texas chose to get their independence. And I just want to, I want to gut it to the point where you're interested and leave enough there to know that if there's areas in which you want to know more, it's out there. Well, you did a great job, Brian. You really did. And uh, well, thank you. it's always interesting to, to talk to people not from Texas who are diving into Texas history because we're so picky and critical all the time about that. But I think, you know, modern communication uh, always calls for stories. You can always go back to a story. Everybody likes a good story. And uh, yeah. I, I certainly appreciate you marshalling your abilities and resources to tell the story of Texas. Yeah, and look for the show on November 17th. I know that's a podcast you can download anytime. But if you do it, it's going to be on Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then it'll repeat at 11. And that's Sam Houston and the Texas Fight for Freedom. And then I've got the, the book coming out. You can buy it as early as uh, November 5th. And uh, hopefully everyone likes it, even the audios out there. I read the whole book. So I uh, read the whole book. It took me two and a half days. Uh, <laughs> but the, the audio's out there. And I know some people in Texas are going to be a little angry at me, but just know I'm just trying to tell your story. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us on Wise About Texas, and good luck with the book. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for the great questions. Well, that wraps it up for this bonus episode of Wise About Texas. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Kilmeade. If you want to meet him and give him your opinion of his view of Texas history, you can go to briankilmeade.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-K-I-L-M-E-A-D-E.com backslash events and go catch him on his book tour. He will be in Texas and, as you can tell, loves to talk about Texas history Thanks again for tuning in. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road. Mm-hmm.